Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We're back for the first episode in person. Nick Kreider, Borna Rosari, a.k.a. Hog. Ring the bell, a pod's pod. Feels good to be in person, huh? This Look at this studio, man. I feel like I'm at the ultimate setup right now. It's uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, and, of course. Uh, different location, but same topic, man. The San Diego Padres, huh? Yep. Believe Studio. We don't have Heath Bell today. He's actually getting ready for a Savannah Bananas game. Pretty interesting. Well, guys, we'll, sh- we'll show you plenty of clips of that whenever we get those Super excited to see Heath in that uniform and to, to go out and have some fun. But let's talk about our Padres. Tatis, right? Everyone's freaking out that he doesn't have a hit this spring. Is there room for concern? Is, is there reason for concern? Mm-hmm. What do you think? I literally made a video on this recently, and it's, it's so frustrating when I see people on Twitter saying, oh, my goodness, Fernando Tatis is 0-4 in spring training. I try and tell people this guy hasn't played in 18 months. Right. This guy has had shoulder surgeries, wrist surgeries, and everyone expects him to hit three bombs in a game like he did in early 2021. It's like, where's the patience with this? You know, he goes to the media. He says, I'm swinging at the right pitches. I haven't gotten it yet. Think about this, Nick. 13 at-bats or whatever it is at this point, and the world's coming crashing down on this guy. Right. Do we not understand, in my humble opinion, he is the most talented out of their core four when he's going right? 100%. 13 at-bats. That's that's like the equivalent of like three regular season games. Yeah, that's just that's going over in a, se- in a in a series, a three game series. That's fine. So Padres fans, pump the brakes. Look at the at bats. Look at the quality at bats. He's stealing bases. He's trying to get involved. Let's pump the brakes. I made a video on buy, selling, or holding his stock. Well, right now his stock seems like it's pretty low, right? So I'm a two xing. I'm three xing my investment on yeah. Fernando Tatis Jr. And I think it's uh it's great to understand that, you know, the magnifying glass isn't on him this year. Yeah. Right? They're on other guys. I think I'd, I'd say it's on Juan Soto probably the most, arguably, wouldn't you say so? 100%, especially since his odds are the highest to win the MVP this season. People are going to be placing their money there. Bet online at AG. That's a good place for you to place your money there if you think he's going to win MVP. Or Tatis or Machado. Machado's going to have a lot of eyes on him as well just yep. because he got this massive contract. Um, I think Bogarts will have some eyes on him because he's a new Padre, of course. Tatis will have his eyes on him because it's the return, you know, after the suspension and the injury. It's been so long. But I think the most important thing here about his at-bats this spring is that he's just seeing live pitching again. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. There's, I mean, I was watching, uh, I was looking on Twitter the other day, and there's literally a player for, I'm trying to think what team it is. It might be the Dodgers. I don't know. He literally is not swinging yet. And he still drew a bunch of walks. Miguel Vargas. Yeah, right? Miguel Vargas for the Dodgers, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Like, literally can't swing a bat. And he still walked, like, four times already. Yeah. Like, not swinging pitches, just take, just looking at pitches, seeing yeah. live pitching. And that's huge to get your timing back. And people don't understand, too, it's so valuable with the WBC that Fernando's going to be having these at-bats all the time while Machado, Soto, and his whole teammate is gone, uh, you know, in the, in the World Baseball Classic. So, listen, everyone, pump the brakes. 
It's going to be okay. Uh, I'm more curious to see how he's doing in right field. I think he's looked a lot better since everyone thought the world was crashing down when he dropped one fly ball. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I think it doesn't help when the media outside of the San Diego Padres, in my opinion, want to see this guy fail. I mean, you see different media outlets like the Arizona Diamondbacks. They're not showing clips of Fernando signing bats, signing gloves for fans. They just want to show clips of him failing. And I think all of that kind of adds fuel to the fire. And I think all that's great. I think Fernando loves that. I think he's ready to prove to the world that he is that guy. He is Fernando Tatis Jr. and so special. So listen, it's way too early to pump the brakes. You talked about a guy not even taking at-bats in spring training. This is all such valuable time. Is there a moment for you where you're like, you're going to start getting concerned? Sure, if it's six weeks into the season and he's hitting 160 right. and striking out all the time, then we can have that conversation. It's yeah. spring training. The Boston Red Sox, I don't think I've lost a game in spring training. All right? The Boston Red Sox are not going to be that great this year, in my opinion. Yeah. So people need to relax. It's like a team going 4-0 in the preseason. 100%. And look, at the end of the day, we see guys that hit 120 or 200 in spring, and then they, they're they back to the normal self as soon as the opening day comes. Xander Bogarts. Exactly. Look what he's hit over the last three years in spring training. A buck 20, 210, a buck 60. He just went deep for the Netherlands and played amazing defense in the World Baseball Classic. And I think Heath said it best as well. Like, you know, early on in spring training, like, guys are just trying to, like, get command of their pitches again and just start throwing, you know, and, and, and try to just get it over the plate. Yeah. and you know, maybe the same thing with hitters, right? Like they're not as focused at the plate when it's the start of spring training or, you know, I, I don't think there's a ton of pressure on Tatis right now because it's spring. These games are meaningless for right now. He's probably just working on little things here and there, right? Little adjustments that we don't know about, like timing, right? Or like, you know, the angle of the launch angle or like, you know, the, the, the stance. Sure. I have no clue. You know, there could be just little minuscule details about what he's trying to do to get himself back to where he wants to be. Well, another great point, and you made me remind, you know, you got me to remind of it, is people don't understand, like, Fernando Tatis had to alter his swing after the shoulder subluxations. Yeah. And now he said he can go back to his swing that made him great, you know, when he was coming up in the minor leagues, the one-handed finish. So it's an adjustment to go back to what originally worked for him because now he doesn't have to think about the shoulder popping out, knock on wood. He doesn't have to think about these different things happening. So, listen, we can spend hours over analyzing Fernando Tatis Jr., but the reason we're doing so is for people in the comment section to pump the brakes. So I want to ask everyone in the comment section, on a scale of one being not at all to ten being – extreme anxiety where do you rank on the fernando tati jr concern scale i'm at a whopping 1.5 all right it's 13 at bats in the spring let's pump the brakes what about you nick yeah i'm at a 0.5 right now yeah. honestly yeah he's 23 years old yeah you know, he'll be 24 this season like or, or next season or i don't know whatever he's 23 years old yeah he's gonna be fine yeah he's gonna be just fine he's a raw pure athlete you know he's not gonna lose a step i think for him you know just needs to get that game experience again it's been a long time Guys, make sure you also go check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all these other mediums. Ring the bell. Go give us a rating, a, a comment. We, we, we need some of these ratings and comments. Help pump this thing up. We do. We do. We need to start charting on Chartable. <laughs> Podcast <laughs> charts. Yeah, I, I think if you uh, subscribe, leave a comment, you know, that'd be really nice and helpful for us. Um, but let's talk about Juan Soto. Sure. Juan Soto, also some some concerns right now with the calf that's still lingering still hasn't made his exit yet to the WBC team a lot of people are speculating that the Padres are keeping him close to spring because they're trying to work out a deal before he leaves for WBC do you buy into that 
Yes and no. I know Heath talked about that in, in last week's. I do think the calf is a is an area of concern for the San Diego Padres, not necessarily from a major standpoint, but from a standpoint if it doesn't get right, it can become a major injury, right, if you don't heal it. And it's not necessarily at the plate, but if you're going to be playing nine innings, you're going to be running around the outfield, yeah. you're putting strain, you're putting you know pressure on that calf. And listen, at the end of the day, it's up to the San Diego Padres if Juan Soto is going to play in the World Baseball Classic. They don't want to step in. They don't want to be that bad parent and say, you can't go out, right? They don't right. want to be that person. But if your child or if your player, in this case, is at risk, you're going to have to step in and be an enforcer. So I don't know what's going to happen. It looks like he's going to fly out either today or tomorrow at the time of recording this video uh, to the World Baseball Classic. You could hear every day Bob Melvin's apprehension in the tone of his voice when talking about Juan Soto. You know, I'm a little bit concerned now, right? Because at the end of the day, we hope the Dominican wins, but we hope the San Diego Padres win. Well, I also want to just throw out there really quickly that there's someone looking out for Juan Soto in the DR team in Nelson Cruz, who's the general manager there. So there's another person looking out for Juan Soto, and that's Scott Boris. That as well. And that's what we were talking about. Buster only put out a great piece on Twitter the other day saying, listen, Scott Boris and his clients, they usually go to free agency, but the kind of money that Peter Seidler is spending right now is so unprecedented, it may make sense for agents to go ahead and lock him up for life, right? I mean, think about it. With Juan Soto, he made a great point, Nick. Listen to this. Steve Cohn and the Mets, they've committed over $400 billion after 2024. Everyone's like, oh my goodness, he spent so much money. Peter Sire and the Padres, over $1 billion past 2024 in total committed money with no signs of stopping. So I do think there's an injury but don't get it twisted, Padres fans. They're talking about something. And they, oh, for sure. They, they want to take care of Juan Soto. The question is what, how much. I want to get your opinion on a potential contract because I've talked about it with some people. Let's say 15 years, $540 million, you know, 35, 36 AAV. What I've heard in the holdup of these discussions is that Juan Soto wants an opt-out after year six to hit the market again when he's 30 years old. Mm -hmm. Does something like that, does that play a role? Does that concern you in terms of wanting a contract, or do you just have to give Juan Soto all the leverage? I guess you give him what he wants to get, you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, you still have him for six extra years. Yeah. You know, like, sure, it'd be the perfect scenario to lock this guy up for life, yeah. just like the rest of the Padres, yeah, and yeah. this could be the super team for years to come. However, you want to give him what he wants. You know, I mean, this is what Manny Machado got, and look, he decided to stay. That's That doesn't, you know, mean that he's going to leave, you know, without a without a doubt after that contract is up and the opt-out kicks in. But in terms of what I realistically see happening, I think it's going to be a lengthy contract yeah. because, you know, Boris wants to just close the books on this thing and, you know, collect that check. Sure. Same thing with Soto. I'm thinking, you know, uh, a record like 16 year deal or something like that worth, you know, 450 or something. So I would not be surprised if it happens soon, but there is no immediate rush because you have him this season and you have him next season. You triggered something into my mind, and we will get back to Soto. Did you see the report the other day about Aaron Judge and the Padres a few days ago? They Ken Rosendahl brought, uh, wrote a beautiful piece. Like, guys, I, I'm not the biggest reader anymore, but I was all in that piece. The Padres offered Aaron Judge 12 years, $415 million. Mm -hmm. They offered him a massive contract, and they talked about the story of how it happened. They flew him out. He had in and out. He was with his wife, the dog, and... and a lot of Padres team brass, they were sold. They thought Aaron Judge was going to sign with the Padres. And 
And Steinbrenner of the Yankees, they only had offered him eight years, $320 million, But after they had heard about the meeting with San Diego, they bumped that up to nine three sixty. Yep. And, and Preller knew. He said that he didn't think the deal was going to happen when Judge left San Diego without a deal. Mm-hmm. So it's just crazy to show where Potter fans are like, where's all this money coming from? Who cares? It's not your money. They were about to, <laughs> they were about to give Aaron Judge $415 million. Yeah. They're going to take care of Juan Soto. I'm so confident that Juan Soto is going to be a Padre for life. But I want to flip that back to a question for the fans. I want to hear your thoughts. What do you say to the fans of this show, the fans of the San Diego Padres, who say, I'm not comfortable giving Juan Soto a contract yet after I saw what he was for the San Diego Padres in the second half of 2022? I say that's baloney, honestly. Yeah. Uh, look, there's always an adjustment period with sure. anyone that switches over to a new team. We see that year in, year out. You know, we could even point to what Heath was been saying. You know, maybe Juan Soto wasn't playing up to his potential because he wanted out of the Nationals organization. You know, like he just didn't want to play like Juan Soto, which, look, there's no evidence that that was the case. But we've seen that this kid's a generational talent. People regard him as one of the best hitters of our lifetime. Ted Williams, people say. Exactly. I mean, look, he is off the charts on on-base percentage and walks, and you want guys on base. That's how you win games. You get guys on base. And Padres, for years and years and years, have always been in the lowest of percentages when it comes to getting guys on base. And you have one of the all-time greats right here at a young age who loves the organization, it seems like, loves the fan base. I mean, I he's so young. We may have not even seen his prime. <laughs> I know. You know what I mean? It's like insane. what he's doing right now at yeah. this age, imagine what he can do at the age of 28. Yeah. Where he's fully matured as a player and had this, all this in-game experience and his body is, you know, his a, a, still a grown maturing. man. Exactly. Yeah. He's still a kid. Yeah. It's it's absurd. So I think we got to pump the brakes on, on that. I, you know, I think it goes undermined. This guy's getting on base, right, at a 400 clip and – when he's peaking at a, almost a 500 clip, which is just absurd. And and people are going to be like, eh, I wanted to see him hit dingers. If you were to hit singles, it's the same thing as him walking, right? So I, I think that's important. I think another thing to really think about as well is that he's a guy who got robbed from the shift a lot in his career. Great point. Shift is gone now. Yeah. I'm so excited to see this Juan Soto that does not get robbed by the shift. How many more hits does he get? He's hitting 700 in the spring, and a lot of those hits have gone to the place where he would have got robbed last year. Yeah. So. And I think he's such a meticulous, detailed hitter that he can place the ball wherever he wants. So now he knows. It's like, oh, if I'm going to pull, I'm going to pull. Yeah. Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr., it's pretty nice that we're starting a podcast just talking about those two players being on the San Diego Padres. Who would have thought we're, we're, five years we're, ago? We're, we're, we're concerned. We're complaining. I mean, we're not, but we're talking about people who are. And sometimes we are, too, as it's the nature of us being fans. But the fact that those guys are Padres are amazing. Let's segue to the World Baseball Classic. We just saw Japan beat South Korea. Padre Yu Darvish pitching to Padre Hassan Kim. Darvish, Darvish got the better of Kim in the first at-bat, ground out second at-bat. Kim also grounds out, but it was a throwing error. He got to second base. What are your thoughts on just seeing kind of two Padres competing at the highest level? I love that. Yeah, honestly. that's awesome. I think that's one of the coolest things about the World Baseball Classic is that guys from other teams team up, and then guys on the same team get to play against each other. Yeah. It's fun for fan bases to watch, and it's good just for the camaraderie around the league. Um, I think a lot of guys get really excited about this as players. Whether you like it or not as a fan, whether it means anything to you as a fan, I think it means a lot to these players to represent their country. Heath said it, you know, last episode that it's like the Olympics. You get a chance to represent your country. And they don't really, you know, have anything like that in the actual Olympics. So 
I mean, they do have baseball, but like it's not the same. It's not. It's not the same as the World Baseball Classic. You know, you're not getting the superstars. Yeah. yeah. Every superstar is playing for their team. Yeah. And it also depends on, you know, it depends on where the game's at. But some of these games have been electric, like the Japan crowd, like the Korea crowd. It's been, especially, you know, Japan versus South Korea, you know that's going to be oh, an, an extremely electric game. I didn't know Lars Nootbaar was playing for Japan, and yeah. I saw when he got that base hit and the electricity in the crowd and him pumping up his his dugout. Like, that's what it's all about. Tommy man. Edmund playing for Korea. Tommy Edmund playing for Korea. Yeah. So it's just, it, it, it's exciting to see some of our other Padres, right? Xander Bogarts, you know, a lot of people were concerned about his defense. I know it's the WBC, and but my goodness, he was playing some superb defense with the glove. Former Padre Jerickson Profar going deep. What is Still going, a free agent. What is going on with Profar? Where is he going to sign? He wanted two years, thirty. I don't know if he's going to get two years, two cents at this point. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's. I think the greed kind of got to him. Honestly, I wouldn't mind bringing him back on a cheap contract. I think a lot of Padres fans would still like to see that just for the vibes. Where but, Boris was wrong. <laughs> right. Exactly. But there is a guy who's standing in his way right now, and I think it's David Dahl. Yeah. Who's been, who's been? I mean, we won't spend too much time on that. But you know, I think he's solidified himself as the corner outfielder. You know, when guys need a day off or even to start the season when Tatis is not playing. So, you know, that holding out as Profar did kind of cost him a job here and there. I'm like, I think he'll sign with a team by the, you know, the start of the opening day. But, you know, it's good to see him hit a home run in, you know, the World Baseball Classic just to show that he's still got it. Uh, love seeing our guys out there, though. I, I think it's going to be really exciting World Baseball Classic. And, you know, hopefully, you know, our, our guys stay healthy. That's really the biggest thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to David Dahl, I had a buddy who was at spring training. And when Dahl went deep, he told me Dahl hit the ball about 470 feet. It's ridiculous. This is a guy who was a former all-star a few years ago. And you're just asking for him to give you quality ABs until Tatis is ready to go. And and listen, if Tatis is struggling a little bit early on, you want to be you want to have a reliable guy right. who can come in and, and maybe, you know, Fernando, give him give him a mental day off. Let's just let's let's start going the worst case scenario route, right? Yeah. Give him a mental day off. And Dahl <laughs> can give you quality at bats. Even if he's not getting a hit, drive up pitcher, pitching counts and things like that. The Padres should spend a ton of time and really analyzing who that fourth outfielder is going to be Adam Engel, David Dahl. It's got to be very important because not yeah. only from an injury perspective, but from a stability perspective, it, it's, you know, it's very important. I think the was great last year. I think they want something more of substance though. Yeah. We'll see, huh? Well, so a couple things to that. We'll start with David Dahl. Look, the Dodgers are a team that have constantly been able to rotate outfielders in and out and, Honestly, not miss a beat. Yeah. It doesn't matter who's out there in the outfield. You know, was it Chris Taylor, Kike Hernandez, Cody Bellinger, Chase Thompson, Chase Thompson you know, Jock Peterson, just like I'm going through the years. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like there's always a guy out there, three guys out there that can take quality of bats, no matter who it is, whether it's their second guy off the bench or the starter. Mm -hmm. Mookie Betts, we didn't even talk about him. Yeah. You know, uh, AJ Pollock, you know, just the list goes on. I want that in San Diego. Can't just be Grisham, Tatis, Soto. We need another guy in there that's not going to just be dead weight off the bench when one of those guys needs a day off. You know what I mean? So I think David Dahl can be that guy. Another thing to that point is David Dahl, like you mentioned, was an all-star. Then didn't have such a great season. Then didn't have another great season. So hits for agency and has to reprove himself. You know, wants to get back that's to that. Is hungry. Has to work on new things. And I think by all accounts, everyone saw that he's worked on his swing in the off season. He's tried new techniques and he's got like all of the uh, wires set up. You know, for like the VR and like the um, you know the the 
electronical swing measure or whatever they call it. I don't yeah, know what it is. I, I'm not a tech guy. But like all that makes me very hopeful that this guy is working on himself to become a top-level hitter. And look, he's proven to be a, a great power hitter in spring and you know a great spark plug as well. So I'm confident in him. I think that's going to be great. Um, but you know we'll see. Other Padres notes, Bob Melvin said Luis Campisano is a few days away from getting back after it. He had a little bit of a hamstring strain. I know he had an absolute nuke in spring training, and I know a lot of Padre fans are hoping he can kind of solidify himself and get, get to a point where he can go 50-50 time with Austin Nola this year. Drew Pomeranz is getting very close. I feel like I've been hearing that since my seventh birthday, so let's <laughs> knock on some wood there with Drew Pomeranz. But listen, he can play a role as well this year. If you have Luis Garcia and Drew Pomeranz going back and forth competing for a seventh inning position, I mean, come on. Yeah. It doesn't get better than that because you got Suarez locking up the eighth, Hader locking up the ninth. Reports yep. saying the Potters could be interested in extending Josh Hader, too. Yep. I mean, if you got all the money in the world, extend everybody, huh? What, why not? Yeah. And it's nice to have more than just one lefty specialist. You got Tim Hill, but, you know, if Pomerantz can come in and actually be healthy and shut down, you know, guys on the left side, then I'm all for that. And longest tenured pod right now, Craig Stammen. I was reading a lot of. I'm great, happy for him. I hope he makes a team, honestly, because I'm reading a lot of great articles about how he, you know, he mentioned when Andy Green was there, he said, you know, you, a lot of you guys may not be a part of the finished product, but you guys are the cultural setters and the and the tone of this culture. And Craig Stammen has the opportunity to be that one guy to hopefully see the end of this culture bear yeah. fruit. And and I know he's fighting for his life to to get a job on this team. And I know he's still on the outside looking in, but just the fact that he understands like how close this team potentially is and to be a part of the beginning and the end, it's a great potential storyline that's kind of hiding under this massive core concepts that we're right. talking about, huh? I could see him, honestly, if he doesn't make this roster, staying within an organization, sure. like in a coaching role or in a front office role, because I think like he actually cares about the, the organization. I think he cares about seeing this through as well. I mean, obviously, as Potter fans, we want to see Will Myers see this through as well. Sucks that he's not going to be able to, you know, be a part of this team if they do win the World Series. He'll be with the Reds or maybe even retired. But you know, it's it's interesting. I, I think for Craig, you know, he had a lot of hate some sometimes from Padres fans because you know he didn't have great outings. But yeah. I think he's been pretty reliable, you know, and just like a, a consistent character in that locker room. That character's probably you know gravitate towards as like the father figure, which I love to see. And I'm happy for him, you know. We need a guy who can eat innings. If he can eat innings, you know, when we're up by a lot or we're down by a lot, fine. You know, let him have a roster spot. I think it's. I think there's nothing wrong with it. And he's a vet's vet, you know what I mean? Like, he's he's not going to do wrong by you. Yeah. So, we'll, we'll see everyone. Seth Lugo's look, you know, up and down in spring. He had, like, a weird stat line. I think he had, like, five strikeouts, seven hits, but no earned runs. So, we'll see kind of how that goes. That Michael Walker's <laughs> looked pretty – you know, I think he's been up and down um, – you know, I think it all is predicated on the, the top three pitchers. Apparently, Joe Musgrove is adamant on not pitching, missing a start, and he's been working day and night to get that toe right. So, listen, I, I'll, I'll, let, let the chips fall where they may, right? It, it, it should be a really, really special year. I've really never understood why people were so concerned about our rotation. Because you got you Darvish, who potentially is a Hall of Famer. You got Blake Snell, who's won the Cy Young. Who Look, he's been a shell of himself, but... You know, he could definitely, he's got the stuff. We all know that. Joe Musgrove was lights out last year, had some great starts. You know, every now and then he'd you know, hit a speed bump. Like any but, good starter. Right, exactly. But, like, that's a great core three. And, look, Nick Martinez, I think he's a great four. I love him. I think he's, he's, he's impressed me every step of the way as a starter. You know, obviously he was a long reliever last year. Then he closed some games. And, 
he just does whatever you ask him he's to. A but bailout guy. He's really earned himself a spot in this rotation. Mm-hmm. So, and then Lugo and Waka, like you know, those are good fives there. Yeah, you'll figure it out. And you know, if Musgrove misses the start of the year, you have all those guys, and it looks like the organization has loved what they've seen from Jay Groom, who was a top ten pick, you know, six years ago. And and listen, if, if they can turn something from him, it's 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 just house money, right? It's yep. a cherry on top. Ruben Niebla has has shown the ability to really maximize, you know, a lot of our starting picks and a lot of the bullpen guys you know he fixed Josh Hader in three weeks yeah Josh Hader couldn't throw a strike uh at the end of his tenure in Milwaukee and he hit triple digits for the first time in his career as a San Diego Padre in the Ebla we trust this is finally first time in years this is a a coaching staff that we can trust Mm -hmm. A, a, a veteran tenured but still innovative coaching staff combine that with a great team Listen, you got a shot at a World Series, and, Nick. And you know who's to say that we don't make moves at the deadline? So AJ Preller, he's always he's always chirping. Yeah, he's always on the phone. Yeah. I, I want to close it out with one more thing. Sure. Um, if you go to Bet Online, you can take over unders on games. Our over under to win, our our win over under is ninety three and a half. You like that line? You know. You know, I don't know because. You know, I, I've told people on Twitter that I, I, I lean more towards the under and I get a lot of flack for it. You know, it's just so hard to predict this season. It's such a long season. It's so hard to predict injuries. It's so hard to predict, um, you know, what's good, what's wrong. Like, what if what if Machado gets hurt, Tatis gets hurt, a starter gets hurt? Um, I've tried to temper The good Padre. thing is we're deep now, though. I've tried to temper Padre fans' expectation, though, from a regular season perspective. Right. I've told them that, listen, like, if this team is healthy heading into the postseason, they're going to have a, a, a chance better than probably any other team. But you never know what's going to happen um, in, in the regular season. So I'm leaning under, honestly, but not by much. I'm taking the over. Yeah. I think that this season we've added – Tatis, added Bogarts, added, you know, the other guys we talked about. Same team as last year for the most part. You know, no Will Myers, no Profar. We had 89 wins last season. Yeah. No, it's, again. I'm asking, we're asking basically for for five more wins this season. I know. My point being, though, it's just not that simple in the regular season, but I totally get where you're coming from. Not a financial advisor. You guys want free money? Bet on the Diamondbacks over. On the over, huh? Yeah, so I think it's seventy-five and a half wins. So you think that they they slam it, slam it? Yeah, for for, for the games that that the Dodgers slide back and that we start to gain on them, they get make it up for with the Diamondbacks wins. Yes, sure. Got Why it. not? Got it. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, we're we're looking at the Dodgers who attributed to our most losses last season, and they lose a bunch of players. Yeah. You know, so I, I like the over in this situation. I think you know ninety-four, ninety-five wins in a season. I think gets you first place in the NL West and hopefully takes you all the way to the promised land. We'll see. We'll see. We saw the Dodgers win, what, 300 games last year, and they, they, they ran into the San Diego Padres. The so best, uh, we'll, see how, we'll see how it all goes, but should be a good one, Nick. Well, fans, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Go subscribe to the podcast on Apple and Spotify, like we mentioned earlier. Please leave a rating and a comment to help us out. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't. Borna. Glad to have you in the Believe Studio. Thanks for having me, man. It's a beautiful setup. Go Pods. Go Pods. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.